You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. All right, well, good morning, everyone. It is grateful to uh, be together. It's a beautiful day. Uh, a lot of the country is experiencing record heat, and it's still a nice 70 degrees here in Santa Monica. So definitely, uh, yeah, you can clap for that, too. Can't complain. <clears throat> well, my name is uh, Justin Shump. Uh, I serve as one of the campus and youth ministers here in the Westside Church. And so I uh, get to hang out with young people all the time, which is super fun. Uh, I got a few of my guys over here. Um, and my wife, uh, she also volunteers. She works full-time as a nurse, so she's at work right now, um, working super hard. She works over at Cedar sinai But she also helps out with uh, some of the college ministry and youth ministry and we're super grateful to be a part of the Westside Church. You know, it's been an awesome summer so far. Obviously, things have been opening up more, and so we've had a lot of uh, fun events in the last few weeks. And so we had last Friday, uh, we had a senior honoring night and a youth family night for our youth. And it was a super fun time to honor the incoming uh, ninth graders who just graduated middle school uh, and also the uh, outgoing uh, seniors who just graduated high school. Uh, and then the next day, we had a big summer fest down in Orange County with a bunch of the campus ministries from all over L.A., and that was the kind of first big college event we've had in almost a year and a half, and so it was super amazing being together. It was super refreshing seeing people, uh, seeing people I haven't seen in a long time, and, and meeting new people, and then this past week uh, on Wednesday and Thursday, we had a big L.A. internship, and so we had about 75 college students from all over L.A. Uh, who are interested serving in some capacity in ministry, whether it's full-time or, or bivocational. Uh, and so we were down in Orange County again, and it was amazing getting to see uh, just the younger generation and getting to hear from a bunch of different speakers and really just have that, that fellowship together. Uh, so that was awesome. And then tomorrow I'm heading up for our teen camp that's uh, starting on Tuesday up in Idlewild. And we didn't know for a while if teen camp was going to happen, but uh, luckily uh, the case rates have gone down, and, and we're super excited for our teen camp. So we're going to be up in Idlewild. It's going to be hot. So uh, be praying for us. We're going to be staying in cabins and running around and, and having fun for the week. So if you guys can be praying, praying for our teen camp. And then the week after that is a youth camp uh, for uh, the fifth to eighth graders. And so lots of great things going on, and we're super excited to be together. Uh, so we're kicking off a new series uh, today titled Wonder. And kind of the goal of, of this new series is to really uplift uh, and inspire the younger generation in our church. You know, the, wor- the world has different definitions for this word wonder. Uh, you know, awe, surprise, adoration. But the definition that I would like to use, as you'll see up here on the slide, is amazement plus curiosity. That's kind of what I see the word wonder to be. You know, it's curiosity that follows an experience, that you have some kind of experience and you think something is amazing, but it's kind of not enough. You kind of feel curious. Why, how does this work? And there's this wonder. There's this awe. You know, wonder is, is exponential. It's never ending. It's continuous. You know, we live in a time where we are surrounded by things that are wonderful. Things that can put you in awe. You know, technology has advanced, I would argue, more in the last 30 years than all of the years combined. And so we're surrounded by, by cameras and phones and, and, and sound projection, all these amazing things that are just absolutely incredible. 
And so I tend to think a lot naturally. I can be a warrior and I can be anxious. And so there's a lot of times where I kind of just stop and I just start thinking about all the things that surround me. And I'm like, how do these things work? You ever done that? Like, how does, how does a car engine actually work? Like most of us, we, you know, we have a car, we buy a car. You never really think, how does an engine actually work? I remember looking into it and, 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 and learning about what fuel is and how it turns into a vapor and then the spark plug plugs are igniting it and that there's these mini explosions happening every second that propels you forward and your nice little Honda Civic. And that's crazy. That is incredible. One of the things that trips me up is I always thought, you know when you're filling up gas and somehow the pump just shuts off when the tank is full. And I always wonder like, how, how does it, like I'm sure there's some sensor in there, but how does that actually work? Because you always fill the gas, and it's, you know what I mean? You turn it off, and it's like, how does, that, how does it do that? I don't know. I wonder about these things. You know, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi, that's a weird one. That's trippy. That there's some signal we can connect to, and I can FaceTime with someone in London. Like, that is weird. If you really think about it, like you can be staring at a screen with these different signals that's projecting my face and my words. And, I don't know. That stuff is some weird stuff. Probably the most, this might be random, but printers. Printers kind of freak me out. Because I'm like, how does this little thing take some paper and print these tiny little de- – like, it's cr- and printers aren't even that expensive. You can go get a printer for, like, 60 bucks at Office Depot. It's incredible. Printers, they blow my mind. I tried to watch a video on how it, make, how it works and how the ink rolls. and It's ink jets, and it's crazy stuff. So I don't know how Kinko's are – I guess there's no more Kinko's anymore. They're, they're uh, FedEx office and print. But they just shoot out. It's crazy to me. I don't know. These things – these things are wild. So I like to kind of let, let my mind wander and, and, and really kind of be in awe and, and, and wonder about things. You know, what's interesting is, is simultaneously being surrounded by amazing technology and amazing things that can really take our breath away. We also live in a time where almost every single person, especially here in America, has experienced God in some way. You know, I would argue every single person has either been to church, had a conversation with a Christian, seen a movie that involved God or a spiritual person, or at least seen some religious posts on social media. That I would be shocked to meet someone who has lived here for, for a decade or 20 years and didn't have some experience with God or with a Christian. What I've also seen is that although many have experienced God, very few are experiencing wonder. That God and, and the church and Christianity feels lackluster, especially among younger people. And you know, it's easy to, for, for, for some people to feel like, man, this young generation, they just hate the church. There's just no respect for God. They're godless and crazy and, and sinful. And, and, and I don't really think that's the case, honestly. Some people do believe that, and, and I think there are Maybe some young people like that, but I don't think that's the majority. I don't think all young people are just hell-bent on sin and destruction and want to tear down the church. And I don't know, I don't, I don't, maybe, maybe there's some, but I don't think that's most young people. I think most young people now are just indifferent to God. I think they're just kind of unimpressed with the church. And this is reason one, number one why I think that young people have a hard time experiencing wonder when it comes to God. Here's reason number two. We do our best wondering in the absence of stimulation. Studies have shown that people are most creative when their mind is blank. 
There's a Time Magazine article, it came out two years ago, uh, and it was titled, Being Bored Can Be Good For You. I'm going to read an excerpt from that. It says, here's why being bored can be a good thing for your mind. Imagination and productivity and how to do it right. At its core, boredom is a search for neural stimulation that isn't satisfied. If we can find that, or if we can't find that, our mind will create it. As demonstrated by a new study and plenty others before it, boredom can enable creativity and problem solving by allowing the mind to wander and daydream. There's no other way of getting that stimulation, so you have to go into your head. You may be surprised by what you come up with when you do. Man says it's important not to conflate boredom with relaxation. A purposefully tranquil activity, such as yoga or meditation, likely does not meet the definition of trying and failing to find stimulation. To tap into true boredom, she suggests picking an activity that requires little or no concentration, like walking a familiar route, swimming laps, or even just sitting with your eyes closed and simply letting your mind wander without music or stimulation to guide it. It's also crucial to unplug during this time, man says. Our cultural attachment to our phones, she says, is paradoxically both destroying our ability to be bored and preventing us from ever being truly entertained. And this is really, really interesting. The case that they're making and what studies have shown is that we are our most creative, we are our most thoughtful, we can do the most wondering when our minds are blank. No stimulation. No things activating our brain receptors. No sound. And what they're saying is that we just don't live in a world that offers times like that. You know, this is something after reading that article that I tried to, to implement. And so one thing I do is whenever I drive in the car, I don't listen to music most of the time. And so there's been a few times in the past few weeks where I've given rides to people, uh, and they're shocked. They're like, why don't you have any music on? Like, we're, we're got a two-hour car ride here. And I say, well, you know, you know, the brain is most active and stimulating. Okay, whatever. You're just kind of weird. But I, I don't know. I, I like it. There's kind of something refreshing about driving a long time in the car. I mean, I drove to Colorado with one of my friends, and I think I drove like six hours straight, which is no music. He was taking a nap, so I wanted to be considerate too. But it just felt so refreshing to, to let my mind wander, to be free from stimulation. You know, what I've realized from talking with a lot of younger people is that there's this fear to let their mind go blank. The idea of being without stimulation or being left alone and their own thoughts terrifies them. Because their own thoughts are often anxious, insecure, and depressive. And so they crave stimulation in order to distract themselves from their own mind. And this stimulation destroys the breeding ground for creative thought. It eliminates the potential for wonder. Reason number two why I think it's hard for us to wonder. 
And in my opinion, these are the two biggest reasons why young people have a tough time marveling God. And it's not just young people. I think it's all of us. Being unimpressed with the church, seeing God as lackluster, and too much stimulation. And so when you hear these things and you hear the way the media talks and, and, and people talk, you know, what the world would want you to believe is that you have a bunch of older people who are, who are long-term Christians and they've had these amazing experiences with God and, and they're religious. And then you have a bunch of young people who just have no interest in religion. Older people who are amazed, younger people who are unimpressed. And I think Satan wants us to believe that that is normal. I think he wants us to say, you know, that's just the way the world is. It's the way it's always been, right? But according to Jesus, the world has it backwards. Just as it always does. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. This is going to be our passage for today. All right, this is Matthew chapter 18, verse 1. It says, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to them and placed the child among them. He said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Now, I'm sure a lot of you have have read this passage before, heard it referenced. But, I mean, this is profound, what Jesus is saying. He's saying, Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Never. It's a requirement. It's not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, I've read this passage so many times, and it really didn't really stand out, that word never, honestly. And I read it this past week, and it hit me, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Okay, well, this is something we should explore. This is something we should pay attention to. So why did he say this? Why did Jesus say you have to become like little children? What does this mean? You know, throughout the Bible... Jesus talked about three main things that are necessary for salvation. Now, people have a lot of debate about what's necessary for salvation. We're not going to have that debate today. We're just going to go off of Jesus' words. Okay, so the things Jesus talks about, he talks about this idea of having faith. He talks about this idea of having repentance and then participating in baptism. And today we're going to focus in on that word repentance. It's a word that is very important to understand. You see, it's the first word that John the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin, he came and prepared the way. It's the first word he used when he started his ministry. Matthew 3, verse 2, John the Baptist says, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repentance is associated 
with the kingdom of heaven. It's the first word that Jesus used when he began to preach. Matthew 4, verse 17. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He says the same thing. Luke 13, verse 5. Jesus says, unless you repent, you too will all perish. It's an intense passage. He says it twice. And he's talking about this building that fell on these people. And, then, and the disciples are questioning, were they just bad people? They're kind of questioning karma. And Jesus says, no, karma doesn't exist. All people must repent. If you do not repent, and he says it twice in this passage, you will all perish. You know, there's many other passages I could share about why repentance is important. Okay, so what does this mean? How does this relate to the passage we just read? Well, we have to understand what the word repentance means. So the word repentance, as a lot of you know, the Greek word is it's metanoia. And the direct translation is to change your mind. To embrace a new worldview. To see the world differently. So in order to be a follower of Jesus, according to scripture, in order to be saved, we must change our mind. We must repent. We must metanoia, repent or perish. Now, luckily, God gave you a brain that can be changed. And this is called neuroplasticity. That all of us in our, in our, in our heads, sitting on top right up here, you've got a brain and that brain is adaptive. You know, neuroplasticity is the ability for the brain to change and reorganize. And so in order to repent, you have to have a neuroplastic brain. Well, what does that mean? That means God has all given us the ability to repent. He has not called us to something that is impossible. And guess when your brain is most neuroplastic? Well, as a child. The younger you are, the greater your ability to change your mind. I believe this is why Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you must change and become like little children. Because in order to follow Christ, you have to repent. You have to change your mind. And when does a person have the greatest ability to change their mind? When they're a child. And so what does Jesus say For all of us to do? For this intense calling, repent or perish, it's really important. He says, just become like a child. It's that easy. You know, Jesus understood neuroplasticity. This is remarkable to me. I think, okay, if you make the case that Jesus wasn't the son of God, he was a phony, then I would argue he was the greatest and first psychologist with some of the stuff that he said. I mean, this is incredible. No modern medicine, no brain scan had ever been performed, no textbook had been written on psychology. The first one was written by Wilhelm Wundt in 1873. I just wanted to say his name, so. But Jesus understood this, this complex and powerful idea. I would argue the most powerful thing you have as a human, the most powerful thing that we have physically on this earth, Neuroplasticity. 
the ability to change. And Jesus knew that. And he knew that if we want to change, we should model a child. You know, often when we, when we bring the gospel to someone or we attempt to bring the gospel to someone and we tell them they need to repent, right? And we aren't telling them this because it benefits us or, or it, it benefits the church, but because Jesus said this, it was his words. It's a requirement. But often when we present this to people, it can feel like a daunting task. The idea of, of repenting, of changing everything about you, of changing your mind, of changing your worldview, of forsaking and throwing off every single thing you've learned and been taught and now learn it a new way. That's intense. That's overwhelming. That in order to follow Jesus, I have to become this entirely new person. I must develop this entirely new identity. But what if this is not what Jesus was actually calling us to? What if Jesus was not calling us to be this brand new person? What if he was calling us back to who we used to be as a child? What if For me, repentance is not having to be this brand new Justin, this new and improved, better version of myself. What if it means that I get to be the original Justin? The one that God designed. Justin before he was corrupted by the world. Before the sin and the shame and the impurity and the greed. Before the lies and the deceit and the pride. A child. You know, according to Jesus, you don't get into the kingdom by being this new and improved version of yourself. You know, Jesus does not want Justin 2.0. He wants Justin two years old. I think it's the same for all of you. I don't think he wants you 2.0. I think he wants you two years old. He wants you as a child. When you were pure and filled with wonder. And so as we make this this extra effort to appeal to young people, I don't think that we're going to do it successfully by upgrading our church services or producing high-quality, relevant Internet content. Because there's always going to be a church doing it much better than we are. And it's really easy to access. And again, those things are good. Having high quality service, being relevant, I'm all for that. But I don't think our goal is for young people and for all of us to have a a good church experience. I think our goal should be to have a healthy mind. To help young people see that God has given them a beautiful mind. A mind that is powerful. A mind that is neuroplastic. A mind that God said is of greater worth than gold. That Jesus says is essential 
to entering the kingdom of heaven, the mind of a child. Do we look at children? Do we look at young people with envy and reminisce when we were once there? But not only this, I think we need to help them see that becoming a Christian is not this overwhelming and daunting task. And maybe it's not having to feel like we have to be this brand new person and put all this effort in discovering this new identity, but just returning to who God originally created us to be. Because if children are actually pure and God doesn't make mistakes, to me that just makes sense. God created us wonderfully and pure. We can be born again, full of joy and full of wonder. You know, we're super excited for the sermon series. We're going to explore the wonders of God. We're really going to dive deep into his word and hopefully appeal not only to the younger generation, but to the people in our neighborhoods and our So what we're going to do now is we're going to transition into the communion portion of our service. And what we like to do ever so often is have a a communion discussion. And so if if it's your first time visiting with us, uh, what we like to do is just take some time to kind of converse with the people around you. And then after that, after taking some time, then we'll uh, take the Lord's Supper. I'll come back up and pray for us. But these are the two discussion questions we want to talk about today. So you can gather with whoever's around you, maybe two or three people. Question number one. If you could change one thing about how you see the world, what would it be? Sorry, I think it's cut off a little bit. So, for instance, for me, if you were to ask me that question, one thing I would change is my scarcity mindset. And so often when I look at the world, I can feel like there's not enough opportunities, there's not enough money, uh, there's not enough houses. There are in a housing shortage right now, but I think we're working on it. But I get really stressed out about that. I can feel like, man, there's just not going to be enough. There's not enough time. And I have this scarcity mindset, and it, and it, go, it pushes me towards greed. Uh, it pushes me towards insecurity. It pushes me towards selfishness. And for some reason, that's just how I see the world. I see the world with this scarcity mindset. So that's one thing I wish I could change about how I see the world. So what's one thing you wish you could change? And the question number two is, what's something you can do to help create deliberate boredom? What's something you can do this week? That will help your mind go blank. Because I guarantee it will help you wonder a little more about God. So we'll take some time. We'll go ahead and discuss these two questions. And we'll come back in about five minutes. Hopefully you're able to get some good discussion. So I'm going to go ahead and pray now. And uh, then we'll take communion. God, you know, we're so grateful for your word how profound it really is, how ahead of his time by hundreds and thousands of years Jesus was in terms of psychology, uh, in terms of understanding our bodies, understanding our minds. Uh, God, we're grateful that he was the great physician, the great psychologist, the great healer, the great friend, the great mentor. We're so inspired by him. Uh, God, I pray as we uh, take this series to really inspire the younger generation that we'd also see that we have a lot to learn from them. The mind of a child is powerful. It's valuable. God, I pray as we reflect on what you did on the cross, 
we can feel comforted. We can feel in touch with your grace. We can feel washed, knowing that every day is a new day. God, thank you for the minds you've given us, the minds that are able to change, able to repent. God, I pray that we would not take repentance for granted, the opportunity to see things a new way. The opportunity through Christianity, through you, to become who we were originally designed to be. God, that is incredible. We love you so much. We thank you. We pray for all those who are traveling. You can keep them safe. Pray for a great summer, a great teen camp. We love you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.